You're listening to the FYI podcast. Hey guys, it's Josiah. And before we dive into today's episode, I just had a quick question for you. Do you struggle to connect with scripture? Do you want to learn the Bible in the next five weeks? Our friends and partners at the Brand Sunday and our friend Zach Wendall have put out a brand new course called Learn the Bible in Five Weeks. To learn more, you can visit the link in the show notes and sign up today. And look, with the end of 2023 fast upon us, would you consider a year-end gift of any size to the ministry of young adults today. We exist to reach young adults for Christ and to train leaders and churches to do the same. You can click the link in the show notes or visit www.youngadults.today slash give to learn more and to make a year-end contribution. Thanks so much for your consideration. Here's for today's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the FYI podcast, where we talk about faith, life, adulting, relationships, finances, and so much more. I'm Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Would you do us a favor? Man, we'd consider it a gift if you would subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. And if you'd share this with someone that you care about, maybe your small group or a friend, a roommate, um, your your people, your squad, Mm -hmm. be sure to share this. And we're diving in on a conversation about relationships today. I know that's Micah's favorite topic. Mm -hmm. Am I right? You're right. That's one of my favorite topics. Absolutely. But before we get started, let's take a look at the verse of the day. Josiah, you got the verse. For sure. This comes from Songs of Solomon. Also, some Bibles will read Songs of Song of Songs. Either way, chapter three, verses three and four, it asks the question, have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. Mm -hmm. And I just think that there's so many people listening right now or watching Mm -hmm. who would say they're looking like that author of the Song of Solomon saying, I'm looking for the one who my soul loves. I'm looking for the one. And right off the bat, (laughs) do you believe in the idea that there's one person for everyone or there's one person only for the listener like no is there only one okay if there i would say no only because if there if that were true then if somebody is in the wrong relationship marries the wrong person then it throws the whole rest of the universe out of whack and maybe maybe there maybe was the is. one and maybe, maybe there maybe was that's why the universe is and it was only whack. adam and eve so it started there okay after that who knows um, but I would say that God gives us the free will. He gives us uh, the free will to pick, to choose, to become the one, to seek yeah. the one. So I think that there are multiple suitors or individuals out there that could be an incredible blessing yeah. for us. But I think sometimes along the way, we can't get fixed on only looking for one because it's like finding a needle in a haystack, isn't and, it? And I would follow that up by saying, yes, I agree with you completely. And I do think that, for example, in my life, Micah became the one when we said I do. Yeah. Not when she said yes, and I was proposing on one knee, mm-hmm. but when we said I do and began that commitment and that covenant before yeah. God and the, the presence of our community, mm-hmm. our church, uh, I think that it's it's just that's when they become the one. And, and so sometimes something will pop up, even an engagement. And I, I remember hearing one young adult say, well, we already booked the venue. 
We already made the deposit. We've already got the dresses. We've already got our bri- our bridal party selected. Mm-hmm. We're too far now to mm-hmm. back out. And I'm like, oh, buddy, like the reality is you like, if you're just engaged, you are not married. Well, and I, I think Pastor Terry Parkman had shared this with me years ago when he was a mentor in my life back in North Dakota and so many other young adults he'd speak into. And he'd say, you are single until you are married, until yep. you're, even if you're walking down the aisle and you turn around before you say, I do, you are still single until you say, I do in front of the congregation, consummate your marriage, make a covenant before the Lord. Like you are still single. It would just be a breakup versus a divorce. Exactly. Up until that point, exactly. like it, it'd be painful and no breakup is fun, but yeah, for sure. And, but I, I also think of the young adult I met with yesterday mm-hmm. and after sharing stories about our life and just hearing about his faith and the journey God has him on, he just turns to me and he goes, I just want what you have. And I go, wow. Cause he was talking about a wife and kids, a family. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in that season in my 20s of asking all those questions. Why am I still single? Or right. does God have somebody for me? Is marriage, is, is parenting, are those things out there? Mm-hmm. And I would just say to the listener that God has not given you dreams and desires to tease you. Right. He's really not playing games or toying yeah. with your heart. And we're going to dive into today's question and topic, which the question came in, what are a few of the things that we should know before we get married? They might've asked it this way. What are the few of the things that you wish you knew before you got married? Mike and I are going to unpack six of the things you should know before you say, I do. Yeah. And these are no particular order, just so you know that. (laughs) It's it's kind of that whole, have you ever seen that ready or not, but the not is spelled K-N-O-T and it's like, ha ha. Ready or not. Yeah. It's Ready a book too, I think. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, for sure. Anyway. So we just got to talk about six things today. And the first one is finances. Um, whether you're a believer listening or a non-believer, they say the number one cause of divorce is over finances, is over money, is who is going to handle the finances? Who's going to balance a checkbook? Who's going to have access to everything? Or how are we going to spend our money? What is important? to us and do we save do we spend do we are we earning anything in that process beginning with the end in mind in this and we look at how you handle the finances who will pay the bills because usually one of the bigger things we talk about a lot in our marriage mentoring because we've married what 10 to 12 different couples throughout the last five to six years and we talk about finances and being honest with finances even in the dating, or if you're on the brink of engagement or you're really serious is to say, okay, how much debt are you in? Do you have a credit card? Uh, Are you in credit card financial ruins? Are you in chiropractic school? And are you in debt a hundred grand at age 26? Like what do your finances look like? And I would say even in the dating process, Josiah, I would even say in our relationship, you were very wise with money. You would, you would spend it. You would, um, on our dates, you would court me, I should say more or less, you would Mm -hmm. buy coffee and all that kind of stuff. And I remember saying to him, this was probably what, maybe a year into dating or maybe six months to a year into dating. And I finally told him, I was like, you do not have to take us out or take me out for supper once a week to spend 20 to $60, depending where we went on fun and food, because I can make, we can make fun out of anything. I can make homemade things all the time in the kitchen. And so even just being mindful of how the person you're dating now 
is spending their money currently is a good indicator of how they're going to spend it later. If they need a new car that they're leasing every, what is it, one to three years or whatever that looks like, and it's about a status or a vehicle or a brand or a label or whatever that is, that might be a good indicator that they are seeking, you know, the worldly things versus the kingdom-minded stuff. So I would ask those questions about finances, not only who's going to save, who's going to spend, who's going to have access and all that, but being mindful of like in your singleness, how are you spending and how is the person you're interested in or dating, how are they spending and are they in any debt? Yeah. Right? Those are important questions. And I think that with money and in marriage, for both of them, especially money in marriage, Mm -hmm getting married, it's saying this, it's not about me. That's Mm -hmm. ultimately like in salvation, we die to ourselves and surrender to our own will and pick up the will of Christ Mm -hmm. in marriage. It's not compromise. It's not 50, 50. It's surrender to self, putting Christ, preferring the other. And then I think if, if should God bless you with kids, if that's Mm -hmm. part of the Mm -hmm. future in store, it happens again. You realize pretty quickly (laughs) Listen to a 32-year-old dad of two young kids who's been married six and a half years. It's not about me. And you learn that really fast. And this is why on the topic of money, Mm -hmm. so the first of the six things that you need to know before you say I do, this is why we teach with money that there's no separate accounts. Everything is joint. Yep. I stopped seeing mine a long time ago and it's ours it's god's mm-hmm. it's less of the closed fist it's more of the open hand right and uh the second one though is a little different but it's where are you gonna live mm-hmm. is one of you renting and the other of you buying a home or has a home like are, is one of you gonna sell a home or like is there a cross city move a cross country move i know right. for me i was living in one city and Micah's lease was up and right about the time we got engaged, she moved into what would become our new place, mm-hmm. but she lived there for four months or so, three, four months. Yeah. And then, and then I moved in, but so my move was later, mm-hmm. but I think that some of our friends just got married oh, less than a year ago mm-hmm. and they're now out of state. Mm-hmm. And so I think of our friends Sam and Maddie, and they're in Nashville now, but they, they had major conversations when one of their jobs took Mm -hmm. them out of state. So, but these are our things to consider, like, where are we going to live? Yeah. And even with the, where are we going to live is if you both own separate homes, you know, are you both going to sell your homes to buy a home together? Because Josiah, I'll just weave our story in and out of this, if that's okay for the, the listener, just to know, like, we're not perfect, but here's elements of our story. Josiah did not buy a home, even though he financially could, because he was in good standing, good credit, everything, saving, no debt, anything like that by the age of like 23, 24, 25, and like none of that. And he could have bought a house if he wanted to, but he chose not to because he started dating me. And he's like, okay, if Micah is the one and we do get married, what if she hates the house I choose and she moves in? Like, how do I not make it my own and then invite somebody else to make it ours? So that's what I would say, like the he, she, and the we factor when it comes to what are we going to do? Where are we going to live? Um, are just questions to think about and answer together, you know? I mean, they usually say with real estate, if you're not going to live somewhere more than five years, 
interest is just so front loaded on mortgages mm-hmm. that if you're not going to live somewhere more than five years, it financially doesn't make sense. And so that was a part of it too, of right. like, are we going to be set back by thinking we took one step ahead by me buying this house as a single person? Yep. Yeah. And, um, I just sensed that the relationship was getting more serious and, mm-hmm. and but that's a great yeah. point to point out. Yeah. And then the third one is realizing and talking about the fact, do you want children? Do you want kids? And whether you can or you can't, you don't know on your wedding day. You, not most of the time, right? What Micah means is whether you can or cannot have children. Right. It's not a guarantee. Right. It, we're not entitled to it. The Bible is very clear that children are a blessing from the Lord, mm-hmm. whether that's biological, whether that's adopted. But so many people have this expectation mm-hmm. that they've hoped for and dreamt their whole life. And I'm just careful not to promise things that God right. hasn't promised. Mm-hmm. Right. And we know many people who, whether it's infertility or whether it's one person does want kids and one person doesn't want kids. These are all things to talk about. Right. Because what a heartbreaking moment to enter marriage, to be a few years in. And one of you is expecting, okay, I think it's maybe time that we start having kids and thinking about family planning. And the other is like, yeah, I never wanted that. And we're scratching our heads going, you didn't talk with this about this in pre-marriage counseling or while you were dating, but I jumped in on your point. No, no, no. I think that's so good. And we, we talk about this when we do marriage mentoring with couples is really to help them realize, like, like Josiah said, not everybody is, guaranteed children. And, and if so, if both individuals, male and female are saying, yes, we want to try to conceive children and they're successful, praise God. That's amazing. But if that's not in God's will, or you are, you are physically not able to do that together, are you willing to have the conversations of fostering, of adopting? Um, are those things that you open adoption? Like, are those things that you're willing to do if you cannot, as a couple, biologically conceive your own children? And those are things to to be mindful of. And and sometimes you don't know the story that God has before you. We I've had friends and family members have many um, miscarriages and loss in their family. And they said, if there's one more loss, I don't know if we can even try or desire to try again. Um, but many of them have gotten pregnant and it's having a children, having a child and losing a child is not a replacement plan. It is yeah. a body, a soul, a mind, a mom, a dad coming together um, and experience loss and grief. And, and we serve a miracle working God for sure. who in scripture opened wombs miraculously. Yeah. And, and I remember I was leading a Bible study at my house and this gal came, I don't know how many years she'd been married, but they were trying, I think for one or two years. And she was very just frustrated. And I remember we, we, we came around her, we prayed for her for like three, four months, um, every single week that she would come in and we would just pray that God would have his way and his will would be done. And if it was his will for them to have children now to this day, they have, they have three children and they, they struggle for a long time. So sometimes you don't know the story that is being written for you in the future when you, the day you say I do. Right. And I think if you can't have your own, is there other means of taking another child off the street, taking them out of an orphanage and loving them like your own. And if there's stepchildren involved, like those are all things to know the people that you're dating and the past that they have, do they have any children that they don't know that you don't know about that they do know about? Like, those are all um, conversations that should be had prior to proposal, prior to I do, and 
that will predict whether or not it's going to move forward. I mean, some of those factors, right? Totally. Totally. And I think that, um, I just am reminded of, of going back to that conversation yesterday of maybe we take things for granted mm. and the things that we did pray and fast for, or the, the people in this case, like I am married, I do have kids and I don't take that for granted, but it's easy to, in the stressful moments. Mm-hmm. And, but it, but it, to, to realize that the thing you take for granted might be somebody else's miracle. Right. And this is why we're part of community. This is why mm-hmm. we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this is why we're sensitive and caring to the needs of others. And the fourth thing is just that our faith, faith is, is the biggest piece of our lives. So I would say it this way. Do you both follow Jesus? Are you equally yoked? And I think we've gotten away from not us, but mm-hmm. I think our culture has gotten away from this message and, and replaced mm-hmm. this with, do they make you happy? Right. And that's not the question that Jesus asks. Right. It's more, for, at least for a healthy Christian New Testament marriage, it's it's more about, are you equally yoked? And for, and for somebody listening who doesn't even know that term, maybe they're just tuning in for the first time, Josiah, what would you say? How would you describe that to them? It's, yoke does not have to do with eggs, Right. right. Yeah. 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 And it's not, you know, it's, it's more probably talking about like oxen and being connected together. Like, are you Mm -hmm. equally pursuing Christ, pursuing Christ? Like does, does your faith align? Yep. And, um, I I think that the faith is that intersection of our life Mm -hmm. and, and it just doesn't seem to work. It's, it's that whole Oprah talks about this. Hmm. I'm curious now. One in two couples who get married, get divorced, but among couples who are equally yoked, they pray to Jesus together every day. Mm -hmm. One in 10,000 get divorced. What wrap your mind around that. That's a psycho, like a psychologist study that Mm -hmm. I heard Oprah Winfrey talk about is that it's in other words, what is the one habit that could save your marriage praying together? Mm-hmm. having your faith being equally yoked. Yep. Having Jesus at the center of it all, right? There it is. And speaking because of, marriage is God's idea. Right. Right. I'm exactly. passionate about that. He's very passionate about that. And I think one thing to keep in mind, um, whether you come from a, a single family home, a divorced home, parents that are still married, serving Jesus, not serving Jesus, Family trees are messy, you guys. Jesus came from a messy family tree. And we can all say we've all come from a form of messy, right? And so just keeping in mind, like, who you marry is important, absolutely. But also the family that you marry into is important, meaning your in-laws, your sister-in-laws, your brother-in-laws, people that you're going to experience at every holiday or maybe not every holiday or what what that is and looks like. So you don't only marry the person that you choose, you are marrying into their family. And so just having the in-law conversation, you know, and just being mindful of like, these are my Mm in-laws and- I don't know. What do you have to say about that? Because even if let's just take it, you come from a family that is married Mm -hmm. to this day and they are serving Jesus. And so does the person that you're going together with, or Micah talked about brokenness entering family trees either way Mm -hmm. to say it messy is one way. I I think it's just another way to say it is different. Mm -hmm. 
our families happen to be from different states. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and that's just us mm-hmm. in our marriage. But I think that you could have a family that was introverted. You mm-hmm. could have a family that was extroverted. You could have one parent who's extroverted and one parent who's introverted, just temperaments and personality. You can have styles. the undershare. You can have the overshare. You can have the expectations become a thing when you're meeting yep. your in-laws or you're yep. advocating for your family. And you need to realize that your family, the one that you've came from is just as important as the one you're marrying into. And that level of respect amongst their, your partner you know, does impact the in-laws and does impact the family gatherings and does impact how we do life and how we travel or where we travel. And who you're going to spend time with, and yep. who you're going to spend holidays with. And one of the things that Micah and I have just arrived on and we, mm-hmm. we over-communicated this right Early. after we got married is, hey, for the holidays this year, we've decided that if we're, you know, assuming the invitation is to come to you, um, we're going to go to North Dakota on these holidays. Mm-hmm. We're going to be in Minnesota and spend these holidays. And then even now with our own kids, it's now discovering what are the family traditions that we do. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's it's really important to have some of those conversations. And here's why. Mm-hmm. Because you're managing expectations, you're managing emotions. And I think that it's really easy for in-laws to be misunderstood mm-hmm. or for feelings to get hurt due to a preventable lack of communication. Yeah. And that's not to say that you're not going to say something stupid. I've done that. It's not to say that you're going to hurt, not ever hurt somebody's uh, feelings Mm -hmm. because I've done that. Mm -hmm. We're human beings, but you can communicate Mm -hmm. and just talk about that. The last one, here we go. The six to recap, we're talking about six of the things to know before you say, I do the first was finances. Second is where you're going to live. Third is talking about kids and family planning. Fourth is family or faith. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Fifth was in-laws. And then the last one is delayed stress. Mm -hmm. And this is the concept of look at it this way. If I work out and I bench press my body weight, 175, 180 pounds today, 10 reps, three sets, I'm not going to be sore instantly. I'm going to be sore in about 24 hours. In other (laughs) words, it takes a little while for our bodies to cope with stress, to feel stress Mm -hmm. and to feel tired, exhaustion. Fully respond, right? Yeah. All of those things. Um, And and Mm -hmm. I think it's that way. Not all stress is bad stress. Mm -hmm. There's you stress, which is what moves things forward. Mm -hmm. And it's what moves you forward in Mm -hmm. life. It's excitement. It's life change job change, seasons of life, there's distress. And that is the negative type of stress. Right. But but your body processes both positive and negative stress mm-hmm. similarly. And with both, there's delayed stress. So you might get married in, let's just say January. Mm-hmm. You might not feel some of the delayed effects of moving, getting married, changing jobs, et cetera. Wedding planning, engagement, you might not, honeymoon. Yeah, you might not. It's you stress, good stresses. Mm-hmm. 
but moving and getting married are such major life events that they tip the scales of stresses in psychology very highly. Mm -hmm. And you might not feel some of the delayed effects of some Mm -hmm. of that stress for two to three months. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's just something important that you should know now is you might feel great now. You might feel fine now, but it's a matter of you might experience some delayed. Mm -hmm. Why am I tired? Why am I lethargic? Why does it Mm -hmm. feel like I just had an adrenaline crash? Mm -hmm. You did. Yeah. Well, I think even then that was more or less after wedding and engagement and everything, but there are, there are seasons and there's life decisions leading up to certain chapters of our life. Right. And it's what you do in those moments. So even when we were being marriage mentored, they had talked about this and I'm so glad they did because I'd never heard of delayed stress, never heard of it. So now anytime there's a big decision that we've made or Mm -hmm. even just children, it's like, okay, there's a healing process. There's um, adjustment to one more into the family. Like there is a form of delayed stress. And now I finally feel like we're in cadence four to eight months later, like, Whoa, this finally feels normal and a little more comfortable than it did on day one. And the same thing is when you're in a relationship or you're getting married, or if you're choosing to be with that person, like just be mindful, like delayed stress is not only about the wedding day and everything like that. When we say things you wish before I said, I do, but it's how do they, how does the person you're dating respond to stress now? So for example, like if there's a job change and they switch jobs six times in six months, okay, there's a common denominator in that pattern and it's, it's them, right? It's, is it the actual workplace they're in or is it their attitude? Is it their unwillingness? Like, so there's forms of, you can watch some patterns develop when you are in a relationship with somebody to see forms of delayed stress. And it could be finals. Maybe you don't feel the hit in finals until spring break once again. And that's two, three months later because you're finishing up your, you know, projects, your group things, your uh, applying for scholarships, you're applying for internships, you are applying to elements of the program, or you're waiting to hear and move on to the next, you know, stage of education or living or relationships. So just keeping in mind that there are elements of stress. Do you have one more thing, babe? Yeah. He's taking notes. On, you guys. on this thought, like <laughs> what you just said reminded me of like when you're the goal of a wedding is not to plan for a wedding day. Mm -hmm, The goal of a wedding is to plan for a lifetime of marriage together. Mm -hmm. And that's why I would say when you choose an officiant, a pastor, a pre-marriage class or group or pre-marriage mentors or pre-marriage counseling, whatever you go through and whatever your church has, look for one that has a touch base point about four to six weeks after you get married and maybe it's not in place. Just ask your pastor, ask your pre-marriage mentors, Mm -hmm. your facilitators, whoever it is, ask if you can get together about four to six weeks after you get married to work through some of the delayed stress, to have a touch base point of how are things going. So then you're not just planning for a wedding day, Mm -hmm. but you're planning for a lifetime together. And Hey, here was a few things that are going great. Here's a few of the things that are stressful. Here's a few of the adjustments that we need some wise counsel on. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's really important to look for Mm -hmm. because you want to not just work on a great ceremony and reception, right? You want to build a lifetime of marriage and memories together. That's right. 
So we just thank you so much for your question. Thank you for tuning in. This is the FYI podcast, and we will see you next week.